0: She
1: said, Deacon from a land down under where women glow in and plunder. Can't you can't you hear the thunder? Yeah. You better run, you better take cover, yeah. You better run, you better take cover.
0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Cider Nation podcast, a unique baseball podcast. Today, we have former MLB pitcher Josh mentor Thanks for coming on, Josh.
1: Thanks for having me, Jeff. Happy to be here.
0: You know, I guess first things first, Josh, could you talk to us a little bit about uh, baseball growing up for you, I guess, in, in Michigan?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, being from a small town kid, baseball is kind of a rite of passage. You, you know, everybody joins T-ball at four or five, and then there was a small summer recreation program You played in the summer usually with your buddies and your dad was the coach and then kind of as this travel baseball really started taking off there were some opportunities to um play in some bigger towns like play in detroit and go to some other states and play against some better competition and then just kind of bounced around travel teams until high school and then played with the same one all through high school and um you played on the varsity team all four years but you just kind of started out doing it as something to do with your friends and then um, you never know it's really going to take off and have the opportunity to play in college and beyond. But that's kind of how I got started.
0: Did you play any other sports growing up, Josh?
1: Yeah, we got to play all of them. So yeah. football, basketball, baseball through middle school and high school, even some soccer when I was younger. I mean, that age group kind of before technology really took over and uh, in a small town, it was kind of Go outside and play, make up games, do whatever, go to friends' houses. And um, so that was kind of, we all gravitated toward sports and went to a small enough high school and small enough community where you had the opportunity to play all of them, mainly just because they needed bodies. But if you were any type of an athlete, you could play all of them, which was nice.
0: And then could you talk to us a little bit, Josh, about your college career?
1: Yeah, I was kind of a late bloomer coming out of high school. So I was going to go play at a local community college and then try to do the transfer after one year to try to go to a four-year school but we went on a really good run my senior year and so i didn't really talk to any division one division two schools until um right at the tail end of my senior year so i committed to go to central michigan university in july after going up and seeing a visit and seeing some other places with school starting the next august so just kind of worked out that they needed another pitcher and um had some scholarship money left over and it was a perfect fit. I really liked the coaching staff there and had the chance to pitch right away. So freshman year was a midweek starter and then got to pitch on the weekends a little bit. And then about halfway through became a starter on the weekends. And then um, you yeah, know that was the same for the, the next two years of my career and had an opportunity to go play in the Cape Cod League after my sophomore year and played out there for that summer that I think really helped. It you know, probably put me on the map a little bit in terms of Uh, the scouts radar and and things like that and even my junior year had a really good year but um kind of an unconventional pitcher and uh you know i had heard anywhere from you know the top few rounds third fourth fifth round to wherever and ended up going in the 15th round of the diamondbacks and we're just going to go back to school and play but um they came through with what i was looking for and um, a couple days later got to ship out and, and start the professional career
0: yeah, and then getting to start your professional career, um, could you talk a little bit about kind of the grind in the in the minors for you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's funny. I have a couple guys staying with me for spring training right now until they either have places open up or just to crash here while that's getting going. And we'll talk about you know some of the minor league places and the stadiums and stuff. And um, you look back and you're like, how did we get through it? Some of the bus trips, but um, yeah, going from playing, you know, maybe forty or fifty games in a summer. Um, tacked on to whatever you play in high school to, you know, playing 55, 56 games in college and then summer ball to all of a sudden you're playing 140 games. It uh, is a big eye opener and in a hurry. And um, not to mention spring training in front of it. So I remember my first spring training, you get down there, and you just realize how many guys there are. And uh, you quickly realize like the business side of baseball, because you're playing with a couple guys, And then the next day their lockers are cleared out and it's uh, kind of a harsh reality of, of how baseball works. But um, yeah, it's a grind, but at the same time, it's some of the best memories because as a minor leaguer you're doing everything as a team, you're traveling on the bus as a team, you're staying in hotels with roommates and kind of everything is revolves around that group of guys. So when you're on a, a good team and I was on several good teams and played with a lot of guys for the, for all of our minor league careers, you kind of get to know them and have relationships with them. And then, you know, once you, if you're fortunate enough, once you get to the big leagues, you're a little more kind of separate on your own. Everyone kind of does their own thing or has families and stuff at that time. So the minor leagues is um, really where you can kind of bond, but um, yeah, you realize how much work you have to put in just not only for, um, you know, health and recovery and all that, but just to be able to make it through. Um, that long of a season, you know, if you take uh, any time off or kind of slack in between, you can definitely, definitely tell. Especially playing in some of the places where you know, you're playing in, you know, cold temperatures for the first month, and then all of a sudden it's 100 degrees, or you're playing in humidity. It's, um, it's a lot of fun, but yeah, you got to make sure you put in a lot of work, and you can definitely see guys that don't do that, and then you, know the next thing you know, they kind of flush out of the system.
0: Yeah, almost like they're happy just to play pro ball, but I mean, there's a reason
1: why you're there as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you could tell because um, you go from playing, you know, high school or college, wherever these kids come from, where someone's kind of always watching you. Someone's there with the whistle, making sure you run, do your workouts, and then you, know, you get drafted and go away for that first off season, and it's 100 percent on you to do the work. You know, they'll call and check in and see you know what you're doing or how you're progressing, but. You know, when you come to spring training, it's ready to go. And there's guys that come in, um, you know, super in shape, ready to go. And then there's guys that, you know, came in that, you know, didn't do a whole lot. And it can tell, you can tell really quick. And, I mean, the coaches know that, the trainers and everything. So, uh, there's definitely guys that probably let some opportunities slip away. And I think if you talk to anybody that's been around the game long enough, there's, you know, a laundry list of guys that had all the talent in the world but just couldn't ever put it together.
0: Could you talk to us a little bit, Josh, about your MLB debut?
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, that was crazy. And, uh, <laughs> they told me right before I got sent back down my first Major League Spring training because I just thrown a couple innings out of the bullpen and needed to get ready as a starter. And so I knew I was going to be one of the first groups, but they had told me, like, don't be surprised if we call you up in the bullpen. And I didn't think anything of it because I'd never pitched out of the bullpen. Um, hardly ever, maybe like once or twice. In, uh high school just to come in and like close out a game or something. But, um, sure enough, but I made one start in AAA and, um, got the call. And so you're, um, you know, racing to get everything ready. We had just got back to Reno and I hadn't even stayed a night in our apartment. So I'm like packing some of my stuff and just throwing the rest in the closet. Cause I figured you know, I'll be back in a couple weeks or something going up for someone who got hurt and, uh, got like no sleep that night got to call the parents and let them know and tell some other friends. And it was like first flight out in the morning, six o'clock, get to the park around noon was able to get like a quick nap in. And then, you know, they call you up because they need you. So I warmed up that first night and usually you're, you know, as a starter, you get all the time in the world to warm up. So when they called down and said, Hey, get Josh ready. I'm just rapid firing balls all over the place. I had to tell myself to (laughs) calm down a little bit, make, you know, let's throw some strikes didn't go in the first night, nothing the second night. And then Sunday we go into extra innings. And I think our closer went out for two innings through the ninth and the 10th. And so they called down, you know, after his 10th inning, and they're like, get Josh up. He's going in. If we don't score here. And so you're warming up more with the realization, like you're actually going in and nothing happened that inning. So I went in and it was kind of nice. Cause I was facing the giants. I think Two of the first three guys I faced that inning, I faced either in spring training or um, in the minor leagues a few times, just guys that have kind of come up the same time I did. Yeah. And so, you know, once you kind of get out there, um, take the whole, like, you don't realize how big the stadium is until you're running in, and uh, especially Chase Field, it's enormous. Get out there, make your warm-up pitches, and, uh, you know, get the first guy out, and that's kind of a relief. And then um, got my first strikeout against – Pablo Sandoval, and then um, got the third guy out. And I just remember sitting in the dugout, you know, no matter what happens from this point, like I threw an inning in the big leagues and like, it's an unbelievable feeling, but also like unbelievable relief. I just remember going out to second inning and uh, so much focus, somewhere a little bit less going on. And uh, it couldn't have been a better debut. I threw two scoreless innings um, and was on deck when they got the game winning hit. So we got a walk off win I got a win and two scoreless innings in my first appearance, so it's hard to draw it up better than that.
0: And then, Josh, you got to be the opening day starter in, in 2015, and that had to be pretty special too.
1: Yeah, it really was. I would kind of bounced back and forth as a starter and a reliever, and then 2014 started in the bullpen, and I figured that's kind of where my career was going to go, and we just had some struggling starting pitching, and some guys get hurt, and so I went in a few weeks into that season. and. 2014 is probably the best stretch of my career, especially like the last eight or nine starts. Um, kind of started putting things together really well. And so going into 2015, we didn't have a lot of veteran pitching. We'd either traded away guys and we were kind of in a transition, transitional period. So new coach, new front office. And um yeah, the manager just came in. We were sitting in the cafeteria in spring training, and he's like, I'm tired of asking questions about who's starting an opening day. He's like, so you're starting just so you know, and so I was around a few guys, and uh, especially some young guys that I had kind of took under my wing, and they were super excited. But then got to have a lot of family and friends out for that, just to you know experience the spectacle that opening day is, and uh, yeah, definitely one of the more fond memories and something that'll stick with me forever.
0: And you touched on it a little bit, Josh. So you kind of started and and threw in the bullpen as well. Did a little bit of both. Is did you prefer one or the other, or did it, didn't matter to you, or?
1: um early on i definitely preferred starting just because that's what i was more comfortable with um and still would probably prefer that yeah Uh, but it got a little bit closer to like 50 50 because starting's nice you know exactly when you're going to throw you can set up everything around that um you know how to get your arm in shape if you need to take a couple days lighter or or do some extra things in between but you know exactly when you're going to start but then I started liking being in the bullpen because it's so unpredictable. And you could throw once in a week if things are going well for the starters, or you could come in and throw, you know, a couple of different times. I got to throw in, you know, some extra inning games and um kind of was fortunate enough that you know had pretty good durability. And so I could go in and throw three, four, five innings out of the bullpen. So you're almost like a you know modified starter. Um, you know, got to come in if guys, you know, took a comeback or something and come in and kind of bridge the gap and so i started to realize you know the value of that middle reliever role and um nowadays uh, i mean with the prevalence of relief pitchers and um you know starters not going nearly as much you see how important that is and so i kind of embraced it so even when you were in games that were you know maybe you're getting blown out or you have a lead some guys kind of let off the gas and you know i always enjoyed that because it's like i have I can keep the team in it for three or four innings. Maybe we come back or, um, you know, just any time to get out there. So I really embrace both roles. But starting, I guess, just because of how structured it is and, and how easy it is to kind of plan what you want to do from start to start.
0: And then Josh, your delivery, I mean, definitely the opposite of sidearm nation, but, um, (laughs) but could you talk to us a little bit about that? Like kind of how that came about or like just, that was your, was that just how you threw always or?
1: Yeah, that was just how I threw And I mean, (laughs) no one really ever said anything, even when I was in high school, summer ball playing, you know, with some kids from different towns, um, you know, just how unique it was. And it wasn't really until my senior year had some video taken just to be able to send to college coaches and um, you think you're doing something in your own head and you just <laughs> see other guys throwing it and you're like, oh, I probably do something similar to that. And then when I first watched myself throw, I was like, well, that's kind of different. And then um, when I got to college, it was definitely made more prevalent, but my pitching coach in college loved it, like loved the deception and, um, you know, really worked with that and uh, helped me develop a changeup, which was um, you know, probably the reason I had a lot of success, but then as I got into um, pro ball, people would see me throw for the first time or if they got called up or um, if I joined a different team in the minor leagues and so many people were like, all right, he's got to be messing around. When is he going to start throwing you know, normal? And uh, yeah, it's uh, definitely something that even took me off guard when I saw it for the first time, because I even played, you know, some middle infield and stuff and, high school. And that's, you know, the complete opposite of the way most of those guys throw. And I just expected, I just threw like everybody else. And, you know, from my town and that area, like it's just how they got used to me throwing. So I don't think anyone thought it was that different, but yeah, that's just how I threw. I don't know why, but, um, that was just my natural arm motion and going through college and, um, major leagues and stuff like guys typically end up dropping their arm down. Um, you know, as their career's Lengthen, or if they want to, um you know, maybe make it easier on their arm path or something. So I always joke that you know, I could probably throw for fifty years if I just dropped a little bit each year from getting to start from right over top, and then you know, when I turn fifty or something, maybe I'd finally be sidearm.
0: Yeah, you can be submarine hey eventually. You'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> Do you? I mean, is that something you even like? Fooled around with, or like I know some guys think they're dropping down, but it's not even close. Like. <laughs>
1: Same. Yeah. My, my coach in college is like, pretend you're going to throw this one sidearm. And I was like, okay. And he's like, what did that feel like? I was like, I felt like I threw it from the side. He's like, that was probably like a high three quarters. <laughs> and uh, I, I would mess it up, but there's no way I could throw. So like my arm just doesn't work that way. Like some guys would just could be able to whip it almost like they're skipping stones. The only way for me to ever potentially throw sidearm was like, I'd have to like bend way over and still throw from probably the same slot. Just, Been over, but um, I guess that's the beauty of baseball. Is there's a bunch of different ways that guys can have success and and get things done.
0: Oh, absolutely, and and I mean, I guess kind of the the question I always get a lot too from from coaches and players is, is is velocity and kind of how do I gain more velocity? And you know, obviously, sidearm submarine. It's a little bit less about velocity and kind of similar kind of with, with yourself with your unique arm slot. Could you talk a little bit kind of about like perceived velocity and kind of how hard you threw, but kind of hopefully from a hitter standpoint it it looked a lot harder. And obviously you had a really good change up.
1: Yeah. It's um well yeah, one thing I didn't really, you know, know and then once you get into the Pro ball and you talk to more guys, especially the hitters, there was guys that, you know, they said like almost threw like an invisible, like just whatever their arm slot it was deceptive. Yeah. And um you know, now that they can quantify things, like that's just basically what it is. It's like velocity compared to the perceived velocity. And there's guys, you know, that throw, you know, 95 plus consistently and just get hit around because guys are like, Oh, it looks like he's throwing like just batting practice. Like they see it, it's straight. You have all the time in the world to time it up. And there's guys like myself and some other people who, you know, for whatever reason, it's a different look. It's kind of funky. The ball's coming out of a different spot. Um, mine kind of came like from behind my head. So it was, you know, super deceptive and, um, especially having a changeup and be able to mix speeds. You know, they always said that my fastball, you know, played up, you know, you like, lull them to sleep with some changeups or, you know, put a ball here or there. And all of a sudden, you know, a neck high fastball looks like it's 95 when it's probably like 88, 89, 90, maybe. And so now that they can kind of quantify that it's, um, you know, makes sense because there's always guys that. Look like they were throwing harder than what they actually were and then and vice versa. And, uh, you know, hopefully baseball kind of comes back to that because now it is just such a velocity, um, craze and, you know, everybody can throw that hard now and all the kids now are learning from all these places, just that that's how they do it. But you can still watch and see how uncomfortable hitters are. Like I like to watch, uh, Kyle Hendricks pitch from the Cubs, yeah, just because that would be something kind of similar to what I did. He throws a lot of sinkers and everything. And, uh, you know has some more movement that way but it's still not very hard and he keeps hitters off balance and like hitters would always tell you like they'd just rather see a guy that's throwing you know two pitches that are all hard so they just really really have to just time the fastball and at some point he's going to leave it over the plate as opposed to a guy who one pitch is down and away the next pitch is down and then it's up and like. And then they can't ever get set that frustrates them more than just the guy that's rearing back and throwing because those guys are usually just trying to you know, hit the strike zone. They're not really placing it anywhere. And so at some point they're going to get a pitch to hit.
0: Yeah. And I was that kind of transition. to My next question, like kind of, what are your thoughts about kind of how baseball's transitioning to almost velo and, you know, like weighted balls and all that stuff. And even from a scouting standpoint, I'm trying to learn a little bit more about that, like kind of scouting throwers versus pitchers or, you know, what are some of your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I definitely think, there's, I would assume, probably at some point has to be a correction a little bit because, I mean, just watching um, some of the high school kids now and when I was throwing to get ready to play overseas uh, last year was going to a place and um, you know the kids all that's all they were doing was going through a whole weighted ball program, um, all drills designed to just like maximize velocity and um, I know some guys have completely bought into it and there's definitely ways that it helps but it becomes like a such like a power quick twitch movement that it's like hard to hone that into actually pitching I think you were spot on with a lot of it is just throwing and it's like but that's kind of how you get scouted now is if you have the velocity maybe they can like hone you in a little bit and and teach you another pitch or something but I would assume at some point it's going to have to turn around and guys that can actually pitch and, you know, throw a variety of pitches for strikes and keep hitters off balance. There's a lot of guys that have had a long success doing that. And now it seems like it's gone completely only to almost like left-handers. Those are the only guys that you see that aren't really lighting up the radar gun if they have a chance to do it. But I think there's, um, you know, definitely still a place for that in the game, because at some point when everybody throws that hard, it just, you're not really separating yourself. When guys were throwing, you know, the average fastball is 90. The guys that threw 95 plus were, um, you know, an actual, actually useful. But now, if everybody every fastball the guy sees is you know 95, 96, there's really no separation from that. It's almost like throwing slower is uh, is the new fastball because it's just a look that hitters don't get all the time, and so it throws them off timing and everything. And then if you're throwing pitches even slower. Um, And I guess maybe I'm probably a little bit partial to um, the guys that don't throw very hard, but a lot of those guys just aren't even getting chances anymore. And even though they could have a lot of success in college or wherever, it's just almost hard to break in unless you can um, show those velocity numbers. And I think at some point it's got to correct a little bit because after a while, that becomes the the difference maker as opposed to a, a velocity fastball.
0: Yeah. I was talking to my, my buddy the other day, it's almost like they're training, you know, like to be like an, like a track athlete, like they should almost have something like a, you know, a world's longest throwing championship. Like, you know, like I did long drive golf, but I'm not a good golfer. Like I can hit the ball far, but I'm a horrible golfer.
1: (laughs) Yeah. That's probably a perfect analogy to like, yeah, long drive. And then you don't have any short game. That's kind of what these guys are. And a lot of times, um, you know, they're pretty much just, um, two pitch pitchers for the most part, they try to, you know, teach them either some type of like a, like a hard changeup split or like some type of slider. But um, I mean, I guess it works now because hitting is kind of almost adapted too, where it's uh, an all or nothing type thing. You don't see the guys that are consistently just trying to grind out at bats and, you know, take a single here or there or like work a walk. It's, you know, kind of the same thing. I just want to see you know, how far they can hit it. And they're just going to swing the same each time. So I guess in that regard, you know, pitching and hitting have kind of become parallel to what the objective is. You don't see the, you know, the guy that, you know, might hit just a couple home runs a year and grind out at bats. Same way you don't see the guy that, you know, throws maybe just in the upper 80s and works the ball around, moves it and stuff. So they've kind of gone the same way in that regard. But I would assume at some point it's, um, you know, that becomes back in vogue, but who knows? Maybe this is just the trajectory baseball zone. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I hope so. It kind of goes back. I mean, it's kind of scary, even like some of the guys like Greg Maddox, like if, would he get drafted these days or, you know, like just some of that stuff definitely makes you think.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We would always do hypotheticals about yeah, that. Or if like a kid in college, you know, if he batted a thousand, but every, the only hit he ever got was a single, you know, <laughs> where would he, even, would he go first overall? Or like, would you get drafted in the fifth round? And, you know, there's so many kids like that, that, um, you know, probably get looked over now because, um, you know, if you don't have the access or if you just don't jump into like these velocity programs, like I'll see some clips buddies send from Instagram and stuff and just the way they're training baseball, like throwers now is completely different where, you know, it's all about just maximizing everything you can get out of your body. And, um, and I mean hitters too I guess at this point so it's uh yeah it's rapidly changing and just thinking about back to when I got drafted and a handful of the kids that I was drafted with you probably wouldn't really get a chance or if we did we would have been late picks and you know if you don't have success right away doing that um you know you're you know some of the first guys they get rid of
0: any advice, Josh, on kind of how to pitch to hitters? Like, you know, what, what was kind of some of your success, like, you know, with your change up and, you know, kind of, you know, setting up different hitters?
1: Yeah, I, I'm, I really liked, I didn't watch a ton of video. I like to just rely on, you know, kind of what I was seeing in the moment or just, um, you know, past times I had faced hitters. But I always threw, unless I had some, success or failures against guys i almost treated right handers and left handers as um you know kind of all the same so if i was facing a righty there was things i wanted to do to him if there's a lefty things i wanted to do to them unless you know history had told me otherwise but i really liked reading swings and it's something i got a lot better at especially because you know i didn't have a big fastball so i could kind of tell that guys were trying to take one pitch away i was a lot of fastball change up and not nearly as much you know curveball so i could see a lot of guys trying to take one away so when guys were consistently consistently late or just trying to foul and spoil off my fastball you know i knew that they were looking for something soft and then vice versa if they're jumping all over like a first pitch fastball then you know i knew they didn't want to get to the change up and so for me like you know my out pitches were probably like fastball up in the zone um or like a changeup kind of down in a way. And, away. and um, I even adapted to starting to throw changeups like inside to um, righties and lefties and inside changeups to lefties was, you know, something you never really did, but I would mess around with it in spring training and have some success and really like pitching inside. And, uh, you know, I had a couple guys that would throw, um, you know, 95 and they just, everything was away trying to throw away. They'd never throw inside I was like, why not? Like I throw, you know, 88, 89, and I'm just trying to pound inside because it's so hard to time everything up and you just can't get comfortable when every pitch is in on your hands. And then, you know, if you do that a couple of times, then all of a sudden it opens up some away. So I was always trying to, you know, probably pitch against what most other people were doing. But I just found that I had more success doing that and as opposed to just throwing an outside fastball, because I thought that was the not my weakest part of my game, but what gave the hitter the most chance because it's not a hard fastball. It's a way they can, you know, stay out there and, you know, slap it the other way. And, um, you know, I didn't think that was as competitive a pitch for me, especially if I was in a situation with runners on or where you were really trying to limit some damage. So I just kind of learned my strengths and really stuck with them, you know, regardless of who was in the box. And I thought that just kind of made it simple and, you know, this is a right hander. This is a left hander, and you're just working on making pitches to to either guy.
0: And Josh, you've played some international baseball. You came out to uh, our whatever team we were, North America, and in Holland yeah. and the World Port Tournament, and then you played in New Zealand. Could you talk a little bit about your international baseball experience?
1: Yeah, both were unbelievable opportunities. The first year I went to New Zealand to play, I was um, the first year I had really had any time off. I threw for some teams in spring training, and nothing happened. So. I was like, all right, I can take some time off and, and go down there and play. And was also intrigued by it being a you know, first year team getting to play. Um just in New Zealand and Australia. And um, it was a lot of fun, especially the first year was a, a big a lot of growing pains, I think, for everybody. Just uh it was a unique situation for us and a first year team and trying to put everything together, especially for some of the guys that were coming from stateside that had, had you know some familiarity with minor league baseball and just the kind of the things you expect and the things they didn't really think about but um not to play against some you know pretty good talent former some former major leaguers that were down there and then some you know up and coming prospects and you just get a a sense of you know what baseball is in a different country and then obviously getting to play in in Holland there's even some overlap with uh guys on the team that there that I knew or even some of the guys we were facing I had seen in in Australia and stuff and um, so you, you just realize how global baseball is and you play with people from from all over. And, um, you know, there's a, a lot of different ways that people take to get to, you know, some type of professional ball or, you know, just to extend their playing career. And that was one of the, the craziest things is you came across guys that, you know, went and played in Taiwan and then were playing here and attempts to try to get somewhere. I played in Mexico or Latin America or, you know, um, kind of all over and and uh so it's just fun that you know baseball can be such a small world even if it's on an international scale.
0: Yeah, it was definitely fun to watch you Cole and and Bo beat Holland for me like being part of the Great Britain national team for 8 years, we lost every year and lost to go to the Olympics to Holland, but that that
1: game for me was fun to watch. <laughs> yeah, that was a lot of fun and I mean it was you know cool to see uh um to see Bo after, you know, playing with him several years before and, you know, some of the other guys that I'd come across in um, Australia like names you'd heard of, or, you know, but never had met. And, uh, you know, once you get into baseball, you realize that most of the guys are more or less the same. It doesn't matter their background, where they come from. Um, You know, baseball guys speak the same language and and understand the same things. And um, so that's kind of been a lot of fun, just the amount of people you've met from, I just think about, you know, high school summer ball to college and college summer ball to, you know, the minor leagues. And throughout my career, I'd always run into guys. Like if, even if they were done playing, they'd be close enough to the city and be like, Hey, you want to, you know, going to come up and catch a game and, um, you know, still follow around. I still do that too, with guys that I've, you know, played with that are still playing, you, know, you want to catch up with them and, and see how they're doing. And, um, you know, yeah, the amount of people you get to meet and, um, you know, kind of get to cheer on now is a lot of fun.
0: And Josh, I guess, what does it look like now for you baseball-wise? Are you doing
1: any coaching or? Yeah, there's definitely something I've like look, looked into getting into. Yeah, I um, still have a good relationship with the D-backs here. I've got to do some media stuff, whether it's radio broadcasts or filling in on, you know, pregame and postgame. So hopefully be able to expand that role. But um, coaching is nothing that I really thought, about while I was playing. Um but now I think it would be fun to give it away. There's so many guys I know now that are um coaches or um coordinators and um you know just to be able to be around the game I always look at it I guess as um you know you could go into the sales world or business or something with an MBA with a masters or something. And I guess I figured I have kind of a masters in baseball so I might might as well explore that (laughs) before um you know I'd have to part ways with it. But I just really enjoy you know, being around the game and the guys. And so that's definitely something I've look, looked into and and like done some lessons and things like that, just, um, you know, helping kids out and seeing the next generation. But I, I would definitely like to stay close to the game.
0: And Josh, did you have any teammates that were sidearm submarine pitchers?
1: Um, yeah, there's a few. There's always some guys in the minor leagues and there's even a couple guys that um, you know, came back after an off season and just decided to throw sidearm. They thought maybe that could lengthen their career, yep. but the best one by far was uh, Brad Ziegler. Yep. And um, he had a really long career and was our closer for several years. And even though he threw, you know, maybe 84, 85 from down there, but he just honed his craft so well. And um, especially from a guy that you know made it to the big leagues, throwing overhand and then all of a sudden, um, picked this up and was able to have you know a really, really long and successful career thrown from down there. And then, um, yeah, there was a few other guys. I uh, came up with a guy named Joe Patterson, who was a sidearm lefty. And um, okay. he pitched for a couple of years in 2011, 2012. So there's a few guys I came across.
0: Yeah, and Josh, it's just time for a call to the bullpen. So just gonna be some random questions just to learn a little bit more about you.
1: Okay. Our favorite NHL team? Oh, the Red Wings. Well, unfortunately <laughs> now, but it was good when I was growing up.
0: Uh, favorite travel destination?
1: Uh, I got to go on a trip to Italy and Croatia, so I'd say that one's the top so far.
0: All-time favorite professional wrestler?
1: Ooh, I never watched a ton of uh, professional wrestling, so um, I don't know. I would guess I would say uh, Randy Savage just because... Um, Everyone in baseball would uh, like make references to him and stuff. So he's probably the guy would be a little more familiar with.
0: Yeah, and he got up to like AAA, I believe. Okay, catcher, I think. Yeah. Uh, what is the capital of Canada?
1: Um, capital of Canada, Ottawa City.
0: Yes, yes, yeah. We're 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 struggling with that question. So I'm I'm, I'm
1: <laughs> proud of you. <laughs> I was like, I, yeah. I, I mean, I'm grew up close enough to Canada, so we we learned a little bit about that geography as well.
0: Uh, If you could golf or have dinner with three famous people dead or alive, who would it be?
1: Um, Oh, this is good. Um, I would want to do Michael Jordan. For sure. Um, Frank Sinatra, just for the stories. And um, probably George Washington. And then would it be golf or dinner, Josh? Um, I think we'd probably just go to dinner. I mean, Jordan would probably want to golf, but I don't know what the other two would want to do. <laughs> I think those would be more fun to sit around and have some drinks and and uh, just lengthen it out where we, we didn't have to hack our balls around. Any particular place? Um, I'd let Sinatra pick. You know, One of the places he had in New York or Vegas or something. And yeah. he'd be able to get us – the best table and probably have the meal comped. So I'd put it on him.
0: And if you could be an Olympian in another sport, summer or winter, what sport would you like to do?
1: Um, I've always joked about the biathlon just because I think it's so funny that it's still an Olympic sport. <laughs> I grew up shooting and everything like the cross country skiing. Uh, wouldn't be as fun, but I just think it's uh, such a hilarious sport.
0: Uh, yeah, the Canadian training center is like an hour from my place. If you ever want to do biathlon.
1: So let me, Okay, there we go. (laughs) That's that's like one of the things I wish, uh, was around. I know guys that grew up in, uh, Wisconsin, Minnesota and stuff like that. There'd just be curling centers. You could go curl. Yeah. Yeah. I think that would be fun to do just as a, like a get on a curling team.
0: And then lastly, Josh, on the 2009 Visalia Rawhide, do you remember the Canadian infielder? Oh. Oh, what is his name?
1: Um and from Alberta. Yeah, you'll have to give it to me. I can picture his face, but
0: uh David Cooper.
1: That's right. Yep. <laughs> I forgot about yeah. That Vicky team was interesting. We were really good in the first half and they just sent all of our like players up to double A and we had one guy get hurt, and then I don't think they cared about the team in the second half. So we had, like, six guys in the lineup that were, were, I think, under six feet tall. And so we were just trying to win games with guys, you know, hitting the ball in the gap or, like, hooking the ball down the line. There's not a whole lot of power in that lineup.
0: <laughs> no, awesome. Thanks, Josh. I
1: appreciate you coming on. Yeah, no problem. Uh, it was good talking to you, Jeff. And uh, Hopefully you guys start thawing out up there. She said, take from my land down under. Where women glow and men thunder Can't you hear, can't you hear the thunder, yeah You better run, you better take cover, yeah You better run, you better take cover,